Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Melvin, and get ready to cringe. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, Daniel and I are talking about Brandon Trost's An American Pickle. This movie was chosen by the lovely patrons who support Cinematic Doctrine with a small monthly donation. For as little as $3, you too can have the opportunity to vote for a movie we discuss at the end of each month by heading over to Cinematic Doctrine's Patreon. A link will be available in the show notes. 2020 has been a year where new movies are hard to come by. But as cinephiles persevere, more movies arrive. This time around, we're checking out a new Seth Rogen-led comedy where we have not one, but two Seth Rogens to enjoy. And whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, well, I guess that's up to you to decide. Even so, Daniel and I head into our discussion on An American Pickle by starting out with some straight-A cringe. Then we get into our immediate experience with An American Pickle and how it was my comfiest movie experience in a while. Then Daniel shares some frustration over how An American Pickle could have been a much better movie, but still stepped away with a few nuggets of joy. Then, after our trivia section, which includes some fun behind-the-scenes special effects tidbits, we dig into the meat of an American pickle, or I guess the salty brine, and take an extensive look at its often unsuccessful but somewhat chuckle-worthy comedy, as well as discuss the film's commentary on family legacy against modern Jewish culture. If you've heard the last few episodes, you know we're changing things up. Rather than giving you a ton of details on the film right now, we formatted our episode to include the synopsis, content warning, and call to action in the main discussion of the episode. So without further ado, here's our discussion on An American Pickle. Look at me, Daniel. I'm Pickle Rogan. Let's not include that. <laughs> Can we not include that in the episode? <laughs> that was so awful to hear. Tell me how tell me how awful it was to hear. I remember you mentioning like, oh, we got to do one. And I was like kind of half and half on it. And now that I've heard it, I'm like, oh, now I'm 100 percent against it. <laughs> I don't even watch Rick and Morty. I just know I'm supposed to not like it. <laughs> I'm going to go on record as saying that I like Rick and Morty. It's really the everything around Rick and Morty, though, is just so awful, both both fans and people that don't like the fans and the conversation around it. It's low key worse than the star Wars thing where it's like star Wars has become so impossible to talk about joyfully. Rick and Morty is like that, but it's less known, but it's easily more joyless to enjoy. 
Uh, <laughs> I've I've founded a weird relationship with Rick and Morty because when I was in the hotel, it just played every night on Adult Swim. So I'd see the same episode probably six or seven times a week. So I have this weird thing with Rick and Morty now. So. But my point is that that was awful. Please never say that again. And if you find it in your heart, I mean, now we can't take it out because we've talked about it for almost two minutes. But I wasn't going to take it out. You can. It's so terrible. It's so bad. (laughs) If we make a single derogatory comment about the comedy in this film, I'll just think back to be like, yeah, but (laughs) nothing was as bad as what we did in the podcast episode. (laughs) Oh, man. So anybody tuning in, we're talking about American Pickle, not Rick and Morty. <laughs> American Pickle is a film directed by Brandon Trost, written by Simon Rich, who actually wrote the original short story, which is also which is called Sellout. Uh, it's featuring Seth Rogen, which everybody seems to know already. If you don't know him from a movie, you probably know him from a really heartfelt YouTube clip that just showed up on my recommendeds about his talk with the Senate about Alzheimer's. Really interesting. You should Google it. Oh yeah, it's it's a really quite fascinating to watch um and also features sarah snook who is from steve jobs and every calvinist fame movie favorite movie predestination synopsis for the film is that a simple jewish man named herschel greenbaum works in a pickle factory in brooklyn one day he falls into a vat of brine and stays there perfectly preserved for 100 years he comes back to life and goes to stay with his great great grandson ben in contemporary brooklyn snag that from imdb Kind of the characteristic of the film is that Seth Rogen plays both Herschel Greenbaum and his great-great-grandson, Ben Greenbaum. Herschel has a beard. Ben does not. Pretty, like, that's kind of the draw for the film. A real a real Norbit performance, as you like to say in the business. In the, Yes, we do like to say that. I like to say that every day, even just unrelated to Seth Rogen playing Seth Rogen. Yeah. Uh, the film has an MPA rating, uh, PG-13, which might be surprising given Seth Rogen's uh, reputation. And it's rated so for some language and some rude humor uh, particularly it has a very jewish sensibility for comedy so there's a lot of old-timey slurs and slangs and some racial what some would say is some racial stereotyping uh which is something i think we'll probably get into in the in the meat of the episode so to speak and obviously it also expounds some very jewish viewpoints and particularly one titular not titular but one very important scene as it involves christian belief systems uh, as far as the actual language itself, there might be one instance of the F word being said. I don't recall hearing it. And there's also an instance where it's typed out in sort of like a faux spelling of the F word. There's also some drinking of vodka and there's some mild violence. And there's a scene very in the film where we see the poor plight of the Jewish people as one of the villages is raided. And there's some CGI blood for that, as well as some CGI rats being murdered and I think there's also some fist fighting that's very cartoony and Hanna-Barbera in nature. Uh, but for the most <laughs> yeah. part, this film is pretty, pretty clean. It's pretty, uh, there isn't anything in the movie that made me wince or cringe as far as content goes. And especially as far as the Seth Rogen film, this is borderline his version of a family film uh, or as close as I think Rogen can will ever get in his lifetime. So unless he does that uh, Eddie Murphy, Adam Sandler thing recently starts making children's films late in his career for whatever reason. <laughs> and then he has to perform as a dog. Yeah. With, uh, <laughs> the end, with, the uh, end with goal, Osgood Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll make a shaggy dog too, or something. It'd be awesome. 
And if you're a fan of the show, Cinematic Doctrine, you can always leave a review on iTunes or Podchase or wherever you listen. That's always really well appreciated. We always check them out because they're good for letting us know what you guys think. You could even, if you, if you really don't like the show, it's actually one of the best ways you can let us know. But honestly, if you don't like the show, you could send us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com and let us know because then, you know, that's a little nicer. Uh, you can check out our social media. It's Facebook or Twitter, Instagram. We also have a Facebook group that's pretty active, really fun stuff. Um, we're recording right after DC FanDome. There's a lot of stuff being talked about there. We also got monthly movie news and trailer talk, which are just other movie culture related stuff. So we talk about trailers. We talk about what's kind of been going on in the month with a, a kind of a byline about the themes going on. In fact, the last monthly movie news we did was on kind of theaters and how they're handling things. I interviewed a local theater in my area to hear how they're doing and how they can be supported, which honestly is probably very similar to how local theaters are handling things in your area. You can always check out our website for content, uh, similar content, which is usually just written. So if you just enjoy reading, that's there for, for you too, cinematicdoctrine.com. And then if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, you know, give us some donations and stuff like that. You can support us for as little as $3. You get exclusive voting privileges on movies we review at the end of each month, just like this one. American Pickle was chosen by our patron supporters. We really appreciate you guys picking this one out. It's pretty close. I thought Boy State was going to land it, which, hey, that would have been cool, too. Maybe we'll still talk about it someday. But uh, this is what people wanted to hear, American Pickle. You can also get access to an exclusive podcast show called The Pre-Show, which is just a lot more freeform where me and Daniel talk about you know, our faith. We talk about our love of movies or stuff that's just going on in our life. So, um, you know, just more more content for you. Bang for your buck, $3, uh, all accessible at the lowest tier. So one of the new formats that we're trying to do with the podcast is we're going to have a non-spoiler section, a trivia section that tells you spoilers are coming up, and then a spoiler-specific discussion. It's just logistically going to help us out in the show when we're preparing things so that we're not cutting out content in the beginning that just spoils the film. Now we're a lot more comfortable with it. So moving forward right now, we're going to have some general thoughts on the film without spoilers. So Daniel, what did you think of Seth Rogen's PG 13 totally accessible family film on HBO max? So yeah, we sort of jokingly talk calling this his family film, but it did really remind me a lot of mid to late eighties and then early to mid nineties comedies, which had would have a high concept premise or setting or particularly a lot of fish out of water comedies, and then sort of go from there and have sort of like a standard, almost like a buddy comedy formula where you kind of don't see movies like this a lot anymore in this old fashioned thing where they have a completely absurd premise that really doesn't get explained very much. In fact, one of the earliest gags in the film is them just not explaining how any of the logistics of this movie work at all, which I really enjoyed. And then there's from there, they just sort of go into whatever shenanigans they want for the movie. Is that the scene when he comes out of the vat and they're like, they're sitting in a press room and the scientist is like, he's been perfectly preserved in pickle brine for a hundred years. And one of the, the press people is like, how is that possible? And when the scientist answers, it just cuts away to like narration. And you're like, <laughs> the science man says things that everyone agrees with cuts back. And they're like, Oh, that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. That I loved that most because also there is, a, for me, I really hate when people demand a movie fully explain its premise. Cause that's not important. Like when I'm hearing a story or when I hear a thing, the the how and why is very secondary to what they're trying to do. And in that regard, I really deeply admire what this film is attempting to do as far as the subtext of the film, where 
there's two things that really improved my experience of watching this movie. Uh, the first thing is before this, I actually listened to a few weeks ago, uh, Seth Rogen appeared on Mark Maron's podcast to talk about the movie. And for about an hour, him and Mark Maron, and they're both Jewish talked about the just Jewishness of the movie for lack of a better term and how it's very steeped in that experience and that sort of cultural heritage that they have. And seeing all of that in the movie definitely had made softened my heart to it a lot, but also I saw, well, I also saw a lot of reviews saying the movie wasn't particularly funny. So I wasn't expecting to laugh out loud the entire movie, but the previous movies that we were watching on the show were like a ghost story. She dies tomorrow. And I saw <laughs> Dr. Sleep finally. And so I was very ready for just, a semi-normal conventional Seth Rogen vehicle. So I was like, okay, this isn't particularly complicated. I can almost pay half attention and it makes complete sense. That's fine. But I really was charmed by the movie more than anything. It's never funny. It's more amusing than Laugh Out Loud funny. As I'm sure we'll get into, the plot of the movie is completely, I wouldn't say nonsensical because it does, it makes sense but it just keeps going in more farcical directions and it yeah. slowly deviates from the things that I really loved about the movie to where you're just sort of like kind of, it's one of those movies, the best way I can describe it is it's so good that you wish it was better where it's kind of good in so many ways. And there's so many interesting moments and ideas that they bring up and then never expound upon or don't really dig into so much that they just sort of start focusing on, the more silly elements of the movie. Like there's some very, there's some very strong early scenes, the first 20 or 30 minutes where once Seth Rogen's ancestors, I almost keep saying when I say unfrozen, because movie really reminds you of Encino man. Uh, <laughs> one of those nineties comedies we're talking about. It, it's like that mixed with coming to America, mixed with a bunch of other kind of comedies in that vein where Seth Rogen and uh, his grandfather and then Seth Rogen and current dare talking. And they're just having this moment. They're juxtaposing, the old timiness with modern times, but also just the things about um, Seth Rogen's ancestors where family is really important. Work ethic is really important. They cling very strongly to the Jewish faith and their Jewish identity and heritage. And he's slowly learning from Seth Rogen's character that in modern (laughs) Jewish culture, there's a lot of people who don't hold tightly to any of those things. Like he notes that Seth Rogen's apartment, there's no pictures of his family on the walls. It's just pictures of like David Bowie and, you know, kitschy (laughs) art and things. Um, His, they don't have family photos. He has like a family photo album. He keeps in his closet somewhere. There's all this talk about how Seth Rogen is a nominal Jew at best. He doesn't know any of the Jewish prayers or anything, though he was confirmed at a young age. And so that stuff is very strong. And then this movie keeps going. It just slowly lets go of those things and gets more and more silly and stupid and that was very disappointing to me. And though, as we'll get into the spoiler section, as we get closer to the resolution of the film, they bring some of those themes back in a way that I found satisfying. But I was disappointed that it sort of focuses more on what's in theory supposed to be the comedy stuff in the movie. But the comedy is never that funny. So it's just kind of disappointing. But overall, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would and found it very charming. And especially as just a movie that's on a streaming service. Like, don't get an HBO Max subscription or trial just to see this. But if you have HBO Max, it's definitely not a waste of your time. And also, I just got to say up front, Seth Rogen's acting in this movie is actually really good. Like, he fully embodies two separate people in a way that I actually thought is, like, under, like, stated. Like, his, I think his answer name is Herschel. I'm bad with character names. Yeah, Herschel and Ben. Herschel and Ben are two entirely different characters. Yeah. And it's very like they almost comedic- have different movements too. He doesn't just talk different. He like he 
he embodies these characters in completely different ways. Yeah, and comedic actors never get their due until they have a quote-unquote serious turn. But comedy acting is deceptively difficult. And like Kevin James, like for example, everyone's like, oh, he's so dumb, he's so silly, whatever. But like to do like physical comedy is not only taxing your body, but it involves a lot of timing. It involves a lot of um, like commitment and and reading of an audience and reading of a moment. Confidence. Confidence. I always say like really good actors are people not afraid to look stupid. Yes. And that includes drama too, because people think you look stupid when you cry, so they don't want to cry. But it's like if you got to kind of break that down and just be like, it's what the scene calls for. So gotta look yeah. stupid. And Seth Rogen definitely doesn't mind looking stupid, but right. and yeah, in this movie, he fully commits both his actors. And I just want to say that he he's not going to get nominated for anything, but I think he deserves commendation for that. But oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how I felt about it. Just giving my early thoughts. But Melvin, what did you think about it? Yeah, I had a good time. I think charming is a really good phrase for it because it's one of those movies that the premise alone is what's going to draw you in because it's just so bizarre. Yeah. You're talking about like just fish out of water, bizarre things that made me think of Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley, where it's just like, (laughs) this is a movie that should not exist, but apparently it's what makes money. So we're just going to make it. And what makes it great about now is this these kind of movies don't make money <laughs> and so the fact that it exists just makes me happier right and then also it's just like pickles are not like a marketable food <laughs> like it's just a, it's these kind of smell the, the whole joke about like just the brine being so like pungent it burns your throat everything about a pickle is like disgusting but also like savory to a lot of people so just the focus on that is just so bizarre i really wish there were consistent jokes about him just smelling like a pickle all the time because he's been in brine for a hundred years so the guy's just like he should just be disgusting right now but yeah i mean all of that's just like in endearing to me and it it kind of gave me vibes of uh there's a german film that's very very cha- it's challenging in its comedy but it is very funny called look who's back have you heard of this movie yes challenging is a good word for it <laughs> so the premise of look who's back is a bolt of lightning strikes a bush and a bunch of german kids go look over and there's hitler <laughs> and it's not an actor it is the hitler he doesn't he didn't die he just appeared out of nowhere and he walks up to a newsstand and this journalist sees him and says, hey, nice costume. And it's not a costume. <laughs> it's the real Hitler. And the rest of the film is about people think it's not the real Hitler. They think it's a performer. It's a very good commentary on like German culture because this was made, I think, just around Arab Spring when a lot of refugees were coming into Ger- uh, Germany. And so it was sort of this like sa- foreign Sasha Baron Cohen style film where part of it is skits and part of it is just put the actor in the Hitler costume out in public and let him do his thing. <laughs> very, very different film. I'm sure no one opened up this Jewish film episode on the cinematic doctrine podcast and expected to hear Hitler. Although I guess the more cynical people did, but it kind of gave me those vibes where it's all about this out of time, truly bizarre and at time having, well, just very different worldviews character moving into the modern age and interacting in that way. Doesn't have the Sasha Baron Cohen style of having Seth Rogen in a very Jewish outfit out in public. They couldn't do that because I think Seth Rogen's pretty recognizable. It kind of reminded me also of Uncut Gems, funnily enough, because Uncut Gems is this film with a very 
strong awareness of Howard Ratner being a Jewish individual. And um, so this, which is so bizarre because they're totally different films. Arka Jebs is very serious. And, uh, but they both, when you're watching them, you're constantly thinking about like the Jewish heritage and culture and, and stuff like that. And so I kind of like on my letterbox review, just said like, if you liked Look Who's Back and Uncut Gems, you might like this movie. Cause like you said, it's not really particularly funny. It's funny to think about. In fact, I think when we get into like, like you can't really talk about funny parts of it because punchlines are spoilers and going into the movie without knowing them makes it more enjoyable. But like we said, most reviews were like, it's not that funny, but like, it's still interesting to watch because it does have that really kind of family focused, modern Jewish perspective versus classic Jewish heritage balance. And that really keeps the film worth watching. It did lose me a little towards the middle, but by that point, I'm already like, this was a movie I just crawled into bed and put my laptop on and watched it. So I was so comfy. I was going to be okay no matter what happened. So yeah, it's 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 worth it's worth watching if you have HBO Max. It's not worth getting HBO Max to watch. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that it. assessment. And uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. So you're saying it's good to watch as long as you're laying down in bed and you're just, super you're comfy, like half asleep, and you know it's don't, a good movie to don't to, schedule to watch the movie like yeah. we did because we had to for the podcast. But like you don't have to get prepared for this. Don't have to pop the popcorn. Don't have to invite friends over. But if you're just sort of like, I just want to watch something and kind of kill some time and have some interesting premise with really fun performances and special effects, it's just uh, it's it's worth watching. It's not worth getting HBO Max for. It's funny to hear that you said you watched um, Doctor Sleep, and I'm assuming you watched Doctor Sleep through HBO Max because I, yeah. after watching American Pickle, just watched Scoob. <laughs> I probably should have just watched Dr. Sleep. Scoop was very just, well, well Scoop was really interesting. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, it's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. It, it should not exist. I think we need to talk about that movie purely because, it, because of sure. what it is. Did you see Dr. Sleep, by the way? I didn't. I think I will. It's one of like three or four films. Sean Baker has a list of, of films he says should have been shot on film. Um, disappointed they shot on digital. That's about all I know. Ah, about I agree. So. I would agree with him in that. So actually, now I think about it, Dr. Sleep would have been great if it was shot like to, it is a great film to shoot on film. But maybe uh, was it was that a Sony film or, or I guess Warner Brothers because it's on. Yep. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers on HBO Max. I think Warner Brothers probably saved some money by not shooting on film because I don't think that film did well in theaters. It did not so. do well in theaters. And then after it hit streaming, it got a lot more attention because people were like, hey, this is actually really good. I think the name killed it. Like Dr. Sleep doesn't sound like what it is, which is a sequel to the shining. So, but I, you can't just call it the shining too. Cause that doesn't really, that's not really accurate Electric either. Boogaloo. <laughs> the squeakle. Yeah. But yeah, it seems like you got the better, the better deal out of your free trial. Uh, but at least we both had a good foundation on American, uh, American pickle. So that was pretty good. I wish like I, I wish I could more enthusiastically recommend it. Because it's overall, I would say I have overall positive feelings towards the movie. But I, like you said, I'm glad things like this exist because I there's something really great about like like Seth Rogen and the guy who's the writer. Um, I think he wrote this short f- story after he talked to Seth Rogen or something like that. But this this was born out of like their own personal experiences and ideas. Seth Rogen like based the um, Herschel character on his own, I think grandfather or uncle or something like that. And so this is an original idea based. It's a personal story 
with a stupid premise that yeah. like back in the day, the good old days of just maybe 15 years ago, this would have been greenlit. They would have spent $20 million on it and it would have just been gone to theaters. And these types of movies are slowly dying out. So I wish I could say, look, this is a great movie. People should watch it so they can support it and they can make more movies like this. But sadly, it's not quite as good as it could be. And it doesn't really live up to the really great potential of its own premise. But still, like you said, and like we both have said, it's worth the watch. I just wish it was a little better. So now we're going to go into our trivia section. Um, just be warned, you know, after that, the spoiler warning is going to be lifted right now. We're, none of our trivia here is going to have any spoilers in it. At least I'm skimming it to make sure that's the case. <laughs> yeah, we're good. No spoilers covered in this trivia. Um, but after the trivia section, that is when spoilers come up, which, again, we're really just talking some punchlines and stuff like that. A little bit of commentary, too, because this film does have some commentary, which I found also kind of entertaining as much as like it seems like the family stuff and the the jewish heritage stuff was the most the the strongest draw there is a light commentary that's actually quite entertaining to go into but first let's do some trivia daniel you went ahead and read us our mpa rating for mpaa rating for this movie so why don't you tell us the first trivia which is related to our mpa rating uh so american pickle is the first seth rogan produced film that has not lended itself an r rating from the mpa also it doesn't feature a scene where seth rogan and his friends smoke weed or get high so <laughs> that's certainly something we're commenting on i suppose <laughs> yeah. i'm trying to think of if there's now i'm racking my brain for seth rogan movies that he produced that don't feature anyone getting high and i think there might in fact not be another one <laughs> so there you go there guys you go. pg-13 <laughs> I don't even know if there's is there a PG-13 film that does have drugs, though? I don't even think so. I mean, I guess it depends how you define drugs. OK, yeah, because alcohol's drug. Alcohol's a drug. And, and um, that's sometimes in PG. Well, that's in this movie. So vodka, no less. So but yeah, we got another trivia here. We got uh, as briefly mentioned before, American Pickle is an adaption of a short story written by Simon Rich called Sellout, which a hardworking immigrant is preserved by Brian. Simon Rich also wrote the script alongside being an executive producer. You can read the short story sellout in the collection titled Spoiled Brats, which is going on sale for Amazon at $7 USD on Kindle and $10 USD for paperback. So I thought it was funny enough to check out what the source material is, so I might pick it up. I like reading and and I also like to short, support short story collections because sometimes a story really only deserves a few pages. Maybe American Pickles, one of them. <laughs> so could have could have been 40 minutes. Seth Rogen stated that because synthetic beards often look terrible in films, he grew a real beard for the scenes he performed as Herschel, while body doubles performed as Ben. Then, Ro- then Rogen shaved the beard and had to perform as Ben, which required the cast and crew to ensure the camera placement was in the same place days after the initial Herschel shoot, or by cleverly using green screen. In fact, that brief scene where Herschel and Ben knock over two large branches, those are totally different days of shooting. There is, in fact, a scene during the latter half of the film set during a forested wintry setting with a lot of snow and from a special feature you can see in HBO Max titled An American Pickle, The Art of Twinning it seems the Herschel performance took place in the, the wooded snowy section while the Ben performance took place in green screen that way in post-production editors can put Seth Rogen as Ben into these snowy scenes with ease as on account of the fact that snow in fact melts yeah and then you have the uh, profile photo for Seth Rogen as Herschel I feel like I've said Seth Rogen like wrong every time um, it's kind of fun to get names wrong but anyways Profile photo for Seth Rogen as Herschel Greenbaum used for the film's poster was taken with a preserved 19th century camera. So that's pretty cute. Um, I always like seeing stuff like that. I 
I always thought though with like old cameras, you had to like sit there for a long time to let the shutter close. Right. Is that a, is that a thing or am I yeah, like I th- misunderstanding? I think it depends on the camera. Okay. Okay. It's just funny to picture that like Seth Rogen had to wear like really heavy clothes for a very long time and just stand there with the same expression. Anyways. So here we are going into our spoiler section again. We're just kind of going into some jokes. So if that's something you don't really care about, go ahead and just keep on listening. But if you do care enough about an American pickle, you were just itching to watch this movie. You want to go into it without spoilers. You're going to want to turn this off now. Otherwise, we are heading into spoilers. So putting Pickle Rogan aside, what do you think, Dan, about some of the more direct commentary that this movie has? I mean, you have Herschel goes off to make his own pickle company pretty much. And then you start getting into a lot of the more it's not slapstick humor, but very cartoony stuff. Farcical, like, yeah, people react to things in a very exaggerated kind of way. So, I mean, I mentioned earlier that the stuff that I really enjoyed in the movie is particularly early scenes where, um, what is Seth Rogen's young modern self's name? Ben. Ben. There's so, you know, Seth Rogen, Herschel gets an unbrined, unfrozen, unpickled. I don't know. And so Ben takes Herschel in and there's these early scenes where like, there's a great scene where he's going through their family photo album together. Cause early on, when you see Herschel in the old times, his goals and stuff is he just wants to be able to afford a few things. He's very poor. The little he has. Seltzer water. Hard. He really wants seltzer water. His, his dream is seltzer water. His, you know, yeah. His wife's dream is to have her own headstone to afford her own headstone. He wants to try seltzer water. And so, but he really wants to have a you know child. And he there's a scene where he's like, he's like basically praying over his child. that like, you can be a great man one day. You're going to achieve great things. And then he gets fast forwarded to the future where Seth Rogen's character has things beyond his wildest dreams. He has a machine where he can make any water seltzer water, which is a very cute scene. And he opens up a photo album and just describes Herschel's offspring and how one of them became a foreman. Another one became an accountant. And it's, it's a very touching and moving scene where he realizes that his sacrifices and hard work as an adult pays off. And that stuff is really great. And then there's this juxtaposing where he's like, well, what do you do? And Seth Rogen's character isn't really what he would consider a hardworking man. And there's, you know, you could see the commentary and subtext there where it's like Rogan's ancestors worked so hard and sacrificed so much. And they were tough, fortified people while he lives in what they would consider immense luxury. And he doesn't work nearly as hard as they did. Right. And he has abandoned many of the traditions of their faith and things that they held so dear you know, Rogan's character doesn't seem to want a family, doesn't seem to want kids. And that stuff's really great. And then 45 minutes into the movie, it just sort of deviates where it becomes a thing where Herschel's character starts running his own pickle company. And there's all these jokes about like, oh, is this pickle organic? And he's like, yes, because he's getting pickles out of a dumpster and like <laughs> using rainwater to yeah. whatever. And it just becomes this like weird rivalry plot where Rogan starts trying to sabotage his pickle business. But then every time he sabotages it, it kind of blows up in his face as then it just sort of deviates into a modern commentary about interns and kind of Trump by the end. And you're just like, what happened to the stuff that I liked? You know, that there was one part that genuinely got a laugh out of me. And it was when Herschel says like some 
because he's he's like from a hundred years ago. Very different, <laughs> different uh, things were more socially acceptable to talk about. He says something really bigot like, and it shows some like newspaper clippings or articles online, and it's like Kanye West defends Herschel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just it's like that was so good, That's but like. Good. That's probably like, uh, well, Mark Kermode has like a, a comedy litmus test. And it's if you can hit this, if you can laugh six times, it succeeds. And I think that was like my number two yeah. time laughing. And it was already like 60 minutes in. So, yeah. Yeah, it does. It does deviate because it has this like, it is interesting to think the juxtaposition you immediately get about like, like you see when Herschel is praying with his wife about their children they show like a wide shot of their home and like all the paints falling off and there's broken furniture and it's kind of just gross and, and very low, 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 low income kind of house for like a hundred years ago. Cause they end up immigrating here to the United States from, from where, where were they again? I forget what town Eastern Europe really. Yeah. Some, yeah. Eastern European town. Yeah. Then of course you see Ben's apartment, that's the grand, great grandson, great great grandson, and it's perfectly fine. <laughs> great paint. He's got computers. He's got David Bowie stuff hanging up. And there's a really funny scene where Herschel's like, "Is this your father?" And Ben's like, "No, that's David Bowie." And he's like, "So it's your mother?" He's like, "No, that's also David Bowie." <laughs> and it's just like, and it's like, "Well, where is your family?" And um, yeah, it's just like it's got this awareness of heritage it's got this awareness of family and i think it tries to cover too much because by going into a lot of the comedy with herschel building his own pickle empire and the interns joke and the bigotry of being like you're a ceo company and one of the jokes is ben wants to bring down herschel so he says you should get twitter yeah after he says something horrible (laughs) polish people He's yeah. like, have you heard of Twitter? <laughs> like, <laughs> so so that he's like, he gets a Twitter and he says things like about how women shouldn't be working and their places at home. And you're and the, I the thought that is, scene was very funny. Yeah, it, it was clever because it was yeah. like, how do you bring a tech CEO down? Just give him Twitter. It's like that graph. Did you see there's like it's um it's a subreddit like knowledge is fascinating. And it was like Elon Musk's Twitter posts from like to- 2010 to like now. And you just see how much he's posted to like this week and like, how do you affect the stock market? Be Elon Musk on Twitter. How do you ruin your company? Give Herschel a Twitter. I mean, it just kind of finalizes like there's some sort of like cultural clash stuff going on and maybe even family dynamics of like Ben doesn't want to be like Herschel. And so he's trying to destroy it. But like it's a bit too far away from the family subplot to stay connected and so yeah it does it it doesn't really like you said come back until the end when it gets back to this family story about like heritage and and uh kind of appreciation of that but yeah yeah and well just just wanted to say like part of what makes that twitter scene so great is he's dictating it to one of his interns and so he has to like it's a young woman yeah it's like she's just great actor her her expressions were fantastic for comedy i thought she was great and she's like oh he's like his and his tweets are like bizarre because it's like (laughs) 
he's first he's like oh is it somebody who people in wheelchair like you have been cursed yeah but however though your legs don't work your mouths work and you will love my pickles so he's intending these as advertisements yeah yeah. and he's like sodomites will burn in hell buy pickles and she's like yeah it doesn't work and then the next scene is like a protest shows up and she's like i appreciate this internship i'm sorry and he just she hands over a clipboard and then it cuts to her having already joined the protesters and he's just like what and and so like and those are funny but like it was yeah i chuckled more than i was like ah ha 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 it was like okay that's clever and it was sort of just like i don't know but then like you said these are great jabs but they're just not at at anything it's just like how does they're not relevant to like how does the joke about him (laughs) using twitter get related to like the family dynamics right and the heritage stuff it really doesn't uh it's a funny skit (laughs) and in fact the probably the middle parts of the whole second act is just a really a series of unrelated skits with the same characters well it it makes sense when you learn that the guy who wrote the movie this is his first major motion picture that he's written just written before this he was a writer on snl uh that makes a lot of sense then. yeah so that's his strength and at the end of the movie i immediately looked at the runtime and there were six minutes left for um trade for trailers for credits and the hit i think it was like 122 minutes was that i was at so this movie weirdly they just couldn't figure out how to fill time they had like an 80 minute or so run time and it's just like even like it, this movie feels padded and bloated at like 80 something minutes and i was just kind of disappointed because it's like you couldn't really figure out how to fill that time huh you had to have some weird convoluted plot where herschel owns a pickle business, loses it, gets interns, then gets canceled on Twitter, but then becomes more popular than ever because people love the fact he's speaking his mind. That was so funny. Yeah, yeah which is like, of course, because I, I immediately as soon as he got Twitter, I was like, they're going to do a thing, reset something offensive, but people love it. Which is very much look who's back because look who's back <laughs> is like the whole premise is people in Germany like Hitler, <laughs> and even though he's Hitler. And so to me, it was like, that's when I got the most look who's back vibe because it's, I mean, it's, it's this fascinating thing where we are right now living in a time where you can watch people who are very powerful, say things that they can afford to say because other people at their beck and call will defend it. And that was a very look who's back kind of thing. And yeah, it kind of reminded me of uh, the Peter Sellers movie being there. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I haven't. No, it's very good. And it's basically it's about a guy who he's literally he's he's a simple gardener, but he's been shut in at home his entire life. And he's like now in his like 40s. He's an adult because he's part of a rich family and then his mother dies or something like that. It's been a while since I've seen it. And so he just sets out on his own and with his People think he's spouting folksy wisdom, but literally he's just saying the only things he knows, which is gardening tidbits. But he's saying, he's so like, do to attend a garden, you need to water it regularly, but make sure you get sunlight. Everyone's like, wow, this guy really, they think he's speaking great wisdom. He's just talking about gardening. And he ends up being like president. That's like this, uh, the interview, the interview that um, Herschel in this film has with the one guy. And yeah, like, exactly. Room, That's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. What are these bright lights? And he's like, what are these bright lights? He's <laughs> like, what is this? I don't sun? understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. But again, uh, what does that mean <laughs> to the yeah, overall story? Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, these scenes individually are kind of funny 
little, like you said, skits. And then it ends in this preposterousness of him at an actual like debate with like someone at a college. It's just like, why did they do this? He says something very offensive about women. So then there's a debate between him and this popular feminist. And he's just saying terrible things. <laughs> and everybody's just cheering, cheering him on. Up until, up until, up until uh, Seth Rogen says <laughs> the Christians thing. Until Ben is like, what do you what do you think about Christians? <laughs> and uh, he says it very sneakily. And, and Herschel's just like, well, they're all wrong. <laughs> yeah, says some things like, that if are you really believe bad. in Jesus, you're stupid. Is literally yeah. the end of sentence. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, uh-oh, you can't say that in America. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, what is it? They're just going to deport him because he said something wrong about Christians. <laughs> well, they, they're going to deport him because, and this is another one of the jokes I thought was actually pretty funny, which is they're like, well, we looked into it. Turns out he doesn't have actual like proper documentation as an immigrant. And they just tried, they find an old like suitcase from Ellis Island that just says the word like Jews on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're trying to find his papers. I was like, okay, that's like a clever joke. Yeah. And I wish there were more of those in the movie. But like even now, you've said like the 10 things in the movie that we thought were funny. Right. And they didn't make us laugh watching it. Like for me, it didn't make me laugh watching it. It's making me laugh. Talk about it. But yeah, I was just comfy in bed and Milo's <laughs> sitting next to me and he's resting fine because I'm not making noise because the movie's not eliciting laughter after, out of me. So yeah. And it's <sighs> it's I wish that the film's targets and aims were a little more ambitious because Hey, wouldn't someone from 100 years ago say some outdated, what we would consider now bigoted things, isn't a scathing indictment? Of, like, it, that's not a hugely like insightful observation. Right. I mean, Gone with the Wind just had that happen. Yeah. It's very clear that older things will have problematic content that people are, uncom- are uncomfortable with. Fair enough. Lovecraft Country on HBO Max right now, it's inciting conversation about yeah, but isn't Lovecraft stories all racist? And then, yeah, so it's like it makes complete sense that it's not new. I think it's fun how they take it because it's very clear that they're aware of those things and then also just putting clever things together. But like it might not be as smart as I want it to be because like the Ellis Island briefcase where all documents about whether or not they're a citizens is shoved into a briefcase called Jews is quite <laughs> funny um, because because it is but that's about as clever i think that the movie really got that and the kanye joke but even then the kanye joke is i mean it's happening every day that's gonna be dated in (laughs) like six months and yeah well that's kind of what i'm trying to say is it's like wow isn't it funny how people say terrible things on the internet and twitter but some people really like that that's probably the thousandth time someone's made that observation in modern culture, especially right. as far as like something that's bigoted is, you know, or it's I there's certain things I admire about the film. First off, I admire that they don't overdo the fish out of water. Like, oh, thank TV, goodness. Isn't that crazy? Thank like, goodness. There's a scene where he's trying to use an iPhone or play video games or something. I really hate that trope. So I'm really <laughs> glad that they didn't. do yeah. that. I'm glad there's a scene of him using like a connect and going, I love modern technology, you know, or something. There's Xbox got to get that sponsor in for the connect yeah. again. <laughs> I guess, I guess they're checked in clear. So that's why it's not in the movie. Yeah. Or like, what is it in dark shadows that where they, it was like a movie adaptation of like a TV show from the sixties 
where John Depp plays a vampire and he's like, oh, who is this little man in the box? And he tries to like get the man out of the TV. And like, I'm glad there wasn't any of that in the movie. They they do they do it sparingly in a way that's actually kind of clever or, or very simple. Like there's a couple throwaway lines where like Seth Rogen's like, oh, look what I'm working on. He holds up an iPad and he's like, oh, wow, like you invented this. And he's like, no, 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 I'm making an app on this. And <laughs> yeah. it's 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 a it's okay. a little chuckle joke, but it it actually works towards the thing of like Seth Rogen isn't as accomplished as his ancestors would hope that he is. Right. So I think the movie gets should get points for that. And I also think it should get points for making its um, racial humor is general and is not as offensive as humanly possible. Like there's nothing in this movie that made me like cringe because it was offensive because they contextualize it where these are the views of this one character. But at the same time, they sort of acknowledge that he's a complicated man. Like there's things about him that are great. Like there's a great scene where Seth Rogen hurts himself. So Herschel like takes time, to, like rips his own shirt to bandage, bandage up its hand, his hand where it's like, okay, like some things about him are not good. Like the movie doesn't make any, the movie doesn't apologize for his viewpoints. It says like, these are bad. And it very clearly illustrates him as being bad without ever like trying to like, Oh, isn't it funny? He's kind of racist and sexist and homophobic and kind of terrible towards Christians. It doesn't apologize for those things. It just right. sort of displays him as bad while also showing it, but he's a caring man who loves his family. And the, the thing that kind of keeps the movie going, even as it sort of goes in all these weird deviations is Herschel deep down wants to reconnect with his great grandson because they're the only family they have. And that's kind right. of the thing that's really important to him. So I, I there it Herschel is a deceptively rounded character is what I'm trying to say. And I think the movie does a good job of doing that. Even if the road there is bumpy and weirdly disjointed. So. So I think in the beginning you said you wanted to talk about something at the ending, which, Hey, we're in the spoiler territory. So do you, do you mind getting into that, Daniel? The thing that keeps the whole the thread on which the whole movie is tied and the thing that it's a single it's a singular kind of thing that elevates this movie over like a movie that if it's on TV and you're in the room, you won't be at a loss for just not changing the channel kind of movie versus one that I think you might get something out of if you actually like choose to put it on is so like as I as I mentioned a couple of times this the stuff earlier on in the film is some of the strongest stuff. And then it sort of loses me in the middle as it kind of lost you, but then it sort of ties everything back together in the end. And it, it's the stuff that I wish the movie had focused on a little bit more, but sort of the three big things they established early on is Herschel um, loves his wife and loves his son and loves his family and just wishes to build a better life for them. And family is one of the most important things to him. And he's also very dismayed when he's talking to, to Seth Rogen's character. Herschel, Herschel's talking to his great grandson, Ben. Thank you. I will get it by the end of the episode. I'll Ben. <laughs> Herschel and, so, and Seth Rogen. <laughs> Herschel and Seth Rogen. I mean, I that, that's a testament to how good his performance as Herschel is, or I can differentiate him from Seth Rogen. But uh, ben, ben is sharing that his father and mother actually died in a car accident when he was young. And so Herschel is like, okay, like we need to say these prayers. We need to mourn together. Like we need to bond over our suffering, which is a big thing in... Like, just go back to Book of Genesis forward. Um, God's chosen people have had a very rough go of it, and they've endured a great amount of suffering, and that has made them stronger. But it's also the thing that sort of they have in common with each other is this shared trauma and pain. And Ben just doesn't want 
to do that. He's like, no, no, I don't want to. And he actually, when they go to the family plot, it's disheveled. There's billboards for vodka uh, over <laughs> yeah, it, and yeah. it, which greatly upsets Herschel. It's why he starts a pickle business is just so they can buy the land to take down the billboard. And so like Ben is just doesn't want any part of that. He just doesn't want to be part of it. He just sort of, in some ways, rejects his own culture. And in listening to the interview he did with Mark Marion, Seth Rogen talks about that though he's not religious, though he's a self-described atheist, he says like there's just something there and there's something that we cannot shake in, in our DNA where this is a part of us. And as I get, and Seth Rogen says, as he gets older, he finds himself more and more appreciating these things about his heritage and so learning some of these prayers and things. And you can see that in this film where Herschel and Ben have had as immense a falling out as you can get. Herschel actually impersonates Ben by shaving his beard and Ben gets deported and sent back to where they're from. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And it's very gotcha. silly. Yeah. <laughs> and so Ben is just abandoned and he's in this desolate place and he finds the one place of refuge is a synagogue and they immediately accept him in like, oh, you're Jewish. And so they accept him in and they're like, okay, let's say these prayers. And it's the same prayers he didn't learn early on in the film. And he's sitting there and they're reciting and he sits, talks to him next to him and he starts sharing about his loss, about his parents died and he starts to cry and Herschel appears there and they reconcile. And there's a big spoiler in the movie where um, Ben has been working on an app called Beep Bop or Boop Bop, Boop, Boop, Bop. Boop Bop or something stupid. Which I thought was clever because what is it? Um, the reason um, Gwyneth Paltrow calls it Goop, her company Goop, is because the person who she talked to about making a company said, well, all the big name internet companies have two O's in them. So you got to make a big name company with two O's in it. So she picked Goop. And so I thought Boopbot <laughs> was probably picked yeah. because of that, because of... Or TikTok. Yeah, there's something about like that. Uh-uh. There's, there's, there's yeah. like, it's like a rhythm to when you say it. Facebook, Twitter, yeah, Hulu, Hulu, Yahoo. Um, anyway, so I thought the Boopbot thing was funny, but Google. yeah, there's this spoiler about it you're getting we into. Can, we, we can name... Let's name all the social medias while we're here. But... We have to change Syndoc to like... I don't know. Boop bop. Boop <laughs> Bible 2. When we release Bible 2, we'll change it to like Google. It's called Booble. Google. <laughs> <laughs> the, internet, the internet Bible translation. That's the millennial or Gen Z version whenever that gets it comes out. It's like, what, every 30 years a new translation takes off? It's NIV for my parents, ESV for us. And those, and those translations get retranslated themselves. Yeah. New, so. new King James is, seems to be the big one now. Message message really tried, but the yeah. boople the booples the be big. where it's at. You heard it here first. <laughs> like J John MacArthur is actually making, he's doing his own translation, and it'd be so funny if it was like John MacArthur releases boople. <laughs> <laughs> Only available on the uh, Google Play Store or something like that <laughs> to protest Apple. <laughs> be awesome uh but you were saying boop oh uh, yeah <laughs> and Her herschel understandably is like that's stupid he doesn't get it he's this is terrible and then he goes back to that family album and he finds a picture that ben made as a child and it turns out that he used to call his mom and dad a uh, boop bop which is like very cute and so he realizes that and he goes back he's like i realize that family is important to you and it's sort of this thing of like though our generations differ in how we remember these things and commemorate these things that thread is still there and family is still important to you and you you wanted to honor them in your own way you wanted to have a six you want your you wanted your success to reflect that and we see you know throughout the film 
And there, there are, again, these great nugget of moments where we see Ben watching old video where he's graduated from college and the start. And it's sort of a question in the movie a little bit. It's like, okay, this guy is just working on an app for five years. How can he afford his apartment? And it turns out that his parents actually gave him the money to start his own little business. And they have a sweet line too, where they're, where he's like, I don't know what to say or what to do. And they said, uh, I think the mom says, we well, could name it after us. And then it cuts away. And I was like, Oh, I, I wonder if boop bop is like something yeah. you say. And then it pays off. And it's, there's a lot, there's some good setup and payoff in this movie. I yes. was noticing. I, I wanted, I was watching. I was like, oh, I should record this. But then that would mean sitting up because I was laying down in bed. So, <laughs> right. yeah, that was, they have really good narrative setups and payoffs. Good job, Simon Rich. You yeah, some good writing here. <laughs> there, the structure is there. Like the outline of the screenplay is great. It's what they chose to fill the bit in. That's kind of disappointing. And even like uh, the very last scene of the film is essentially so early on. They, um, Herschel's wife takes her to her favorite place, which is Little Pond, and then. It's one of the like five or six things that made me laugh is it's like, I want to take you to a special place. And it cuts them in the same position. But now there's like all these plants and there's like a pipe in going yeah. into the pond. And he's like, yeah. this is beautiful. And so uh, Ben deadpans. Yeah, she had great taste. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the other um, this is the final joke that made me laugh is early on when they reconnect in the synagogue. <laughs> Herschel takes off like his glasses and hat and goes, it's me, Herschel. And Ben goes, I know, because of course they look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there is all the laughs in the movie. You've heard them in this podcast, uh, at least the ones that made me laugh. But and they have a great moment. They they talk about and they actually do the same thing where Ben is like, "Can I share something with you?" Promise to laugh, which is a conversation that Herschel had with his wife, and they resolve to you know from the beginning of the movie. You assume that the ending, once he starts the pickle business, is he's going to do the pickle business, and then Ben's going to handle the like an internet app port or something, and that's kind of how the movie ends. But they decide to have the family business and they've reconnected as a family. And so like all of that, that is a great story. And that is a great emotional arc for the film. It's very satisfying. And there's parts of it that, you know, I, I'm not going to say like I cried during the movie or anything, but these are emotionally impactful, strong moments. It's endearing. It's very endearing. It's endearing. And it's very sweet. There's a sweetheart at the center of this film that, and I kind of wish there was, a little bit more like if you if they had had maybe two or three more scenes that really expounded upon these themes just a little bit better like like just like a couple maybe one or two more conversations where ben and herschel sort of talk about the differences in the way that modern jewish culture has evolved and maybe maybe a more a few more scenes of herschel like encountering the more like multiculturalism of the day and age outside of him just saying offensive things on twitter like sort of him reconciling the way that like a character, someone like Ben would have like, maybe he adopted different aspects of faith or maybe he doesn't believe in God at all. And maybe confronting those things, maybe a little more head on would have been stronger, but then you might have lost the more whimsical, like easy watching element of the film. Right. But the movie, like the movie's only 80 minutes. You could have added 10 minutes of seeds. And it would just still be a completely acceptable runtime. So yeah, I overall, those are the things that made me, endeared the movie to me more than I don't know the wrong Missy might have or something you know so <laughs> yeah or no like I would never there's 40 million Sandler Spade Kevin James Netflix movies that all look the same all probably others what I'm saying is like the, the comparison is more just like there's all these bro- like comedies dumped on streaming that are just made in the assembly line yeah. you could you could 
there's the whole thing of like Netflix having a shuffle button. You could apply that to the scenes in these movies to make a new movie out of all these different movies. And it'd probably be the same movie, you know, versus something like this, where there's a little bit more to it. There's a personal story here. There's like things and themes and ideas that obviously mean more to Seth Rogen and his writing and production partners than like, Adam Sandler's movie taking his where, friends on vacation. Yeah, where he's hanging out with Jennifer Aniston again or whatever right. the movie is. Hey, I like know. Murder Mystery. I thought that was fun. That was Sandler and um Sandler and Aniston. I thought that was I'll take funny. your word for it cuz I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> so, like I only watched I'll, it cuz I saw that there was a fair amount of people who were like, "Hey, this is pretty good." Is it good in the sense of like it's good on the scale of Adam Sandler dumping movies to streaming, or is it good in a general sense? I think it's good in a general sense when I watched oh, it. Wow. So I'll just kind of leave it. Th- I mean, it's got a, it's a murder mystery. That's, that's always, and it's, I think it's handled well. And him and Aniston are just out of fish out of water. People that are like, what's happening. We just came here because a friend said we could come. And there's something kind of fun about that. So murder mystery, pretty good. I'll, I'll put that in here. <laughs> We should cover okay. it, so then you that's, can tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm, that's get a guest host for that one. I'm not. I'm not doing murder mystery. All right, you have to make a decision here: murder mystery or the wrong Missy. You got to choose. I mean, I could just not do <laughs> either. Like, you could just quit the show. Yeah, I'm permanently <laughs> just doing trailer talk. That's what's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> the the kind of one of the conundrums of the movie brings up is this idea between you are a part of this by heritage like where like almost like you can passively be part of the faith and versus like christianity which very much is like you need to follow god as connie west said um and you need to like (laughs) the theologian of our times we need christian talk god talk (laughs) jesus talk jesus Jesus talk that's right i'm sure by the time this episode comes out he'll have tweeted 40 more ridiculous things that completely make jesus talk look silly but try and get him to tweet about us that'd be awesome he just tweeted like a, a verse from Romans the other day, though. So sometimes I'm like, Kanye, you're right on, dude. Like he's on fire right now. And then he's tweeting about how like Othello is his new favorite game over Connect Four. Twice. He tweeted that twice. So I was like, oh, good to know what's going on with keep him. Praying Kanye, <laughs> yeah, keep for praying for Kanye. Yeah, <laughs> But circling back, it's like Christianity is not a religion that you can passively be a part of. You know, you can't just because your parents are like, just because your parents are Christian doesn't mean you're Christian. It means that your parents are Christian. And at some point in your life, you have to make a conscious decision to follow the Lord. And so that's sort of like, it's interesting for me, it was just interesting seeing a, this idea of like Judaism is not just, it is not necessarily just a belief system. It is part of your heritage is in your DNA is part of who you are. And so embracing that aspect of his identity is sort of part of Ben's character arc in the film. While in Christianity, like that's not like we certainly have identity Christ, but that's something that you have to consciously choose to follow. And so there's an element where I can see that in Ben, where he has to consciously choose to re-embrace parts of his own heritage. But with us, there isn't this sort of like caked in almost like obligation of that. Like you have to have this revelation of God on your own. You have to encounter the one true living God and choose to follow him. Well, for Ben, it's cultural. Yes, like it, it's it's cultural. really a cultural admittance to to his history and heritage, whereas in Christianity it's a totally new culture. Uh, my yep. entire belief system, how I function, what I think about, how I try to think about things, is entirely to this totally different 
belief. It's from non-Christian to Christian. It's not really like I'm born in a Christian family and then I can kind of believe some Christian stuff and then pick and choose. Um, That's just not how it works. Um, You can't pick and choose what you want about Christianity. You can wrestle with things that you might not like about Christianity. That's a good thing. You should wrestle with things that are challenging to your belief systems. Um, I'm honestly really not bothered by talking with Christians who struggle with certain things right now because one, Satan kind of picks and chooses things that he likes to tempt us and, and false theologies to to affect people. And two, people need to wrestle with those things. Um, in fact, I can express a lot of Christ-like patience in that. I mean, I was thinking about earlier today about how Jesus, the Lord at, at, his sup, at the last supper, outright just directly says like one of you will betray me and it was better that you have never been born <laughs> um but then he also kind of whispers to john like like watch this is the one who will betray me and he commits like one last like like what he does at the table in providing wine and like serving judas at the table is incredibly loving and can be kind of seen as almost this like last attempt to keep judas from going out and selling him, which he does uh, right after he steps out and John describes it as um, uh, the book of John describes it as like Judas steps out into darkness because there's this constant light and darkness for, for John about like, if you're in the light, it's like Jesus. If you're in the darkness, you're without, without Christ. And um, so somebody wrestling with certain faith points and beliefs and theological standpoints as a Christian is very different to just being a Christian who's like, yeah, I, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, but the whole, like, I don't know if the resurrection happened because then you don't believe in Jesus. It just immediately Jesus just stops working if he couldn't be resurrected. Your entire belief that like the Lord has sent someone to die for you and will bring you back up doesn't work if the person who dies for you doesn't come back up. And I'm, you know, I'm being a little, I'm picking an easy one there, but it's not like we're talking about American pickle to start talking about homosexuality or forms of baptism or abortion here, but maybe someday we'll cover a movie that offers up that conversation, whether or not you and I feel comfortable or ready or prepared for that one, Daniel. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, I, you can't pick and choose it. It's very different. Whereas in the end of this, it's sort of like Ben's arc dramatic story arc throughout the, the film is being a little more connected to Judaism which makes sense because, you know, cinematic doctrine, we like to, to emphasize that movies are more than just themselves. The, the credits are not the end. It's very clear, like through our discussion here, it's like you watched an interview where Seth Rogen's like, yeah, I'm thinking more about my heritage. And it's very clear this movie is exactly that. It's almost like an artistic expression of him working through it with a lot of pickles and brine and salt. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but, you know, as Christians, we don't get that luxury. Can I can I can I throw a hot take in there? Ooh, is it like a real hot take or is it a funny hot take? Oh, it's a real hot take. Oh, okay, let's go. Oh, I don't know, but <laughs> but I think modern Christians have a lot in common with Ben in this film. Oh yes, oh Hers- yes, <laughs> you and me in- included in that. Yeah, when you, <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting because Ben has in a lot of ways achieved the life that Herschel always wanted for his family. He lives in relative ease. He has all these nice things. He has all the seltzer water he could ever want. But that comfort and that level that level of just like ease of access to things, not having to worry about food or money has 
that is the one of the main things that has caused Ben to drift away from his Jewish faith. It has calloused his interests and heart. Yeah. Like faith, part of faith systems is looking outside of yourself for security. And I don't think it's wrong to say that that's part of Christianity. So it was Psalm 50. The Lord is like, when you're in your time of need, come to me. <laughs> and so yeah. part of it is this gift of security. And it's not just that the Lord, the Israelites are the, are the Lord's people. It's also that I will, I will be your God. You'll be my people. And when you get comfortable because you can make seltzer water whenever you want and you can go out and um, what is it? The whole app that he's making is so you can see if a company's ethical or not. So it's not even worried about finding things to survive. It's about making sure you're buying from companies. You have the luxury to choose from multiple companies yeah. to sustain Which yourself. Herschel is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, that's dumb. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which it, you know, it is it. I think is actually a big deal. Um, in fact, it's so much of a big deal that Axe has an entire section about it. You know, the meats that are sacrificed to idols. How do you feel about it? And the end of the story is Paul says, if it'll hurt your brother, do not eat the meats that are from somebody sacrificed. He's we I think we all have forgotten in some ways where where all of our sources of joy and provisions come from. Like all good things come from the Lord. And he is the one that ultimately provides. But because we're in such a place where we've had the luxury of putting God in the back burner. And just take for granted the things that we have so much access to and all the things that are the people before us. They had to struggle to maintain their identity, their faith, where they came from. You know, my grandfather was a child of the Depression and he his first house didn't have like indoor plumbing when he lived in. And so I but even just three generations later, I'm so far removed from that where you know, I can't even, I'm trying, I'm trying to sit here and fathom what that would be like. And I can't because yeah. I, I've been so coddled in this way. I, I showered this morning. And then when I went for a walk in the humid heat, I showered again for this yeah. episode. I am very comfortable. I'm very, very comfortable. <laughs> yeah. And that's just what's happening this day. And you're talking about things that happened in your family history to get you to this point. I had, I went to a, a private school, Christian private school for my senior years, um, for my senior, for, for my senior high school years. And one of the best chapel segments we had. So every Tuesday there was a chapel session, I took up a period. We went into the school's chapel and there was a, like a sermon. It was really wonderful. And uh, I was looking forward to it. Part of it is you get a break from school and the chairs were comfortable enough for that. But then it was also really good feed feeding time of just of the word i go to go to you ready for your tuesday feeding time um and so anyways it was like this one session i always remember is this guy chronologued like the history of like and he did it implicitly you didn't know this is what he was actually doing but he went from like adam through the old testament to the new to through christ to the new testament and churches all the way up to the culmination of the school i was at and talking about this baton that's being passed and then just charged us sitting in the chapel and said, what are you going to do? You're going to take this baton. What are you going to do? You're going to run. And like, it was just silence because you're sitting here and you're like, oh my gosh, there's been so, so many saints have committed so much work to get this building running, to own this place, to have us have the, this wonderful opportunity to learn about Jesus and the work that he's done to learn about the church and the work that's been done and the provisions of the Lord only to 
kind of like what I just joked about, look forward to travel because it's a break from education. <laughs> and very convicting. And I regularly think about it. In fact, I think my school has these on YouTube. So maybe sometime I'll dredge it up and share it. But it's a, uh, you know, you don't, you don't really think about it a lot. It's very myopic. Yeah. And part of it might be because Ben's home doesn't have a lot of photos of his family around. You know, I mean, I think right. I'm trying to think about me. I have a photo of me and my wife on my desk here. She has a photo of her family and her parents' wedding photo, actually. And then in our bedroom, the only photo I think we have is, is uh, so I'm Melvin Benson the fifth. So I have yeah. a whole lineage of Melvins, actually, that are all all Melvin Bernard Benson. And um, we actually have, I think it's the a profile of the Melvin and then their wedding photos next to it. So we actually have each one which is actually really wonderful because you can see different physical traits that track through each one into, into me. Um, but that's about it. And you think, what if I had more photos of my family around? Would I be more mindful of the commitments that they've done? Let alone, do we even think about how much our parents have done to take care of us? It's really, it's interesting. It kind of goes to show the effectiveness of this film's um, commentary on family. It just yeah kind of gets bogged down with the whole, SNL stuff. <laughs> yeah, I have a, um, I do have a, I do have pictures of my wife and I on our apartment walls, but next to my bed is a framed poster from BoJack Horseman. So I don't know what that says about myself. Um, I have, po- I have a poster for the video game Doom behind me. I have, a, I have a Luke Skywalker Coca Cola oh, wow. print. That's, I think my father-in-law saved. I actually do have another photo of me and my wife, and it's a, it's, it's us on our first year of marriage, and then a bunch of movie tickets that we took. Um, that we have now we have digital tickets, so we can't do that. So it's actually kind of nice, but that's us. That's not our yeah. family. I probably have more pop figures in my apartment than I do like <laughs> relatives living or dead. So <laughs> I think if, if there's one thing I want to leave the listener with in light of everything we've talked about in light of this movie, it's if tomorrow they were to open up some pickle tub of some kind <laughs> and you know, one of the martyrs of our faith would come out of it or or someone like Martin Luther or Augustine or that's what John I want. Calvin. Look who's back to electric dope. boogaloo. Yeah. And it's just Martin Luther. That'd be sick. Yeah. He'd be so uh, mad. Tyndale, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. And they came to your house and saw what you were doing. And after all the sacrifices they made for that faith and to preserve the um, scripture and the people of God and to ensure that the church existed now, what would they think of how we are spending our days and our time? And that's something that I think about semi-regularly in light of, you know, I'm going to seminary soon. I'm trying to work at my church, do interning. And it's like, there's so many things we could do we do with our time. And I understand that I'm saying this on a movie podcast that we were doing, which is arguably sort of the height of, free time and pleasure 2020 and, free time millennialism. Yeah. yeah. But you know, when, what am I doing to further, to take that baton of building the church and building God's kingdom after all the sacrifices, after 300 years of martyrdom, after everything that the people that came before us sacrificed to do, if they could see what we're doing now, like what would they think what would their assessment of the current state of the church and how we are what we are doing with this we have all the advantages that they wish they had 
We have all this communication, all this technology. We have ample food and provisions. There's nothing really holding us back. We don't have to worry about immediate food scarcity or as much as we feel persecuted, maybe sometimes over certain things. Like we, we could go out and I could go out and share the gospel with somebody without fear of death. And with none of that holding us back, what are we doing? And I think that is certainly something that I did not expect to get out of an American pickle, but that's something I thought of. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I thought of. Thanks so much for checking out this episode on an American pickle. Now, if you've seen an American pickle, what did you think of it? Did you think this film was a satisfying comedy or was the SNL style humor cumbersome and annoying? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast in your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down, so the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once a month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss in the podcast. You also get access to the pre-show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who supported the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. All this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.